When we share our stories with one another, we inspire each other. We help each other to grow. We also help one another to feel less alone. I'm Amanda Solar. I'm the host of Soulful Connections, and I'm the founder of SoulfulLiving.com. Join me and let's connect. Connection. So I am with Layla Safavi. I'm so happy to be with her because she's going to tell me everything <laughs> that I can do to make a perfect relationship. <laughs> the pressure is on. Um, Layla, could you share what you do what for a I living? Do? Okay. What do you do? All right. Well, thanks. First of all, thanks for having me. This is really, um, this is exciting. So thank you for what being do here. I do? What do I do for a living? Uh, well, um, I'm trained as a therapist, as a couple therapist, as a family and um, marriage therapist. But what I do is um, my work is focused on couple therapy. So that's what I do. I usually just work with couples. Yes. That's what I do. And you have this beautiful accent. <laughs> Thank you. So you grew up in Iran? In Iran, yes. Yeah, okay. I was born in Iran and we moved here um, when I was 16. So in, um, I guess I can, you can calculate how old I am. Uh, in 95, we moved here. So um, my family and I. So yeah. I can't I calculate that because oh, good. Perfect. when yeah. I left school, I refused <laughs> to do any math. <laughs> it works for me. That so as far as I'm concerned, you're 21, I guess. I have no work. idea. Yeah. Um, so can I ask, you know, what drew you to your profession? I mean, do you come from a family of therapists? Um, was mm -hmm. it something that you've always wanted to do or did you discover it later? Um, it is a good question. So I think it took me a long time to find out um, this is actually what I wanted to do. So I, I did um, a lot of different things. And no, I didn't come from family of therapists. Probably I came from a family who all needed therapy. We all <laughs> needed therapy and everyone refused to do it. But um, so I think maybe that's why I just... Um, my parents got divorced when I was really young and uh, we grew up in the war in Iran and then we immigrated. It was just a lot of chaos and a lot. I mean, socially speaking, you know, I was born in a year of revolution in Iran and then the Iraq-Iran war. So it was just always chaos. And then our internal life, like my, my parents were going through a divorce. So there was a lot of chaos. And then we immigrated to the U.S., so and naturally, I just was continuing with that chaos, really not knowing what I wanted to do, but my fam my mom's family are artists. So there was always this creativity that was driving me. So I was uh, first naturally thought that, oh, I want to be an artist. So I went to art school for my undergraduate and my graduate school. Um, I have a master's in photography, undergraduate um, degree in studio arts, but it really wasn't fulfilling. So I was like, hmm, maybe I should go to medical school um, to, you know, to have a fulfilling life. So I did some 
um, postback programs and study some biology and all that. And that didn't work either. Became an um, EMT. Um, uh, so, uh, and yeah, EMT, I was working in, uh, in uh, Trenton. And that wasn't good either. I was going to in and out of hospitals in the ER all the time. And I thought, oh, maybe this, this will be fulfilling. You know, I'm helping people, but it wasn't. And then eventually, um, because I was in the back of the um, ambulance, I wasn't a good driver. So all the guys that I was partnering with, they would not let me drive an ambulance. So I would, and they hated riding charts and everything. So I was always the one who was sitting in the back of the ambulance with the patients and they were driving. So I never got to drive and I was always with the patients. And I love that because we had a lot of, uh, in Trenton, unfortunately, there's a lot of, you know, crime and there's a lot of um, homelessness, a lot of um, wow. drug addictions and all that. So I was always in the back of the truck with all these amazing, incredible people, like really fascinating people. Uh, a lot of mental illness, obviously, but um, I loved spending time with them in the back of an ambulance. And then after that, I think I was thinking that I think this is what I wanted to do. I, wasn't, I want to talk to people. So after that, I just decided to go to school for uh, therapy and that was it. I found it and I absolutely love it. This is definitely my calling. And I finally arrived. I thought, huh, That's it took amazing. me a long time, but now I'm here. I love it. Yeah. It took, That's it was so a long journey. Yeah, but it's an impressive journey. Um, do you still do photography? Um, not as much as I want to, no. But I, when I take pictures, I you can definitely see that I have some training, maybe not to be, you know, uh, egotistical, but um, I had a training. I went to RIT, which was one of the greatest schools for photography. So I had really good training, um, you know, as far as art goes. But um, no, I don't do it professionally, no. Sure. But I take good pictures. <laughs> <laughs> That's really cool. So in your office, do you have your own pictures hanging? Not yet, but I have some good pictures that I'm thinking maybe I should. Yeah. 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 Um, question, because I never thought about you actually growing up in the midst of war. So much and chaos. Yeah. yeah um, so did you understand it? Did you know that war was happening? Were you in the midst of it or was it far no, away were... from you? No, no, no. It was it was next door for sure. Um, it was in our town. Um, no, I was old enough to know. We had uh, in all of our schools. Uh, we had what do you call them? Bunkers? Not bunkers. Like uh, safe. Like yeah, I think you do call bunkers? them bunkers. I would. Bunkers. Yeah. Yeah, like so. We had them in all of our school. I was in elementary school, so um, they will had the sirens go on, and you'll be in the middle of a class and then the sirens will go on and all the class would empty and we will all go to the you know to the basement these bunkers that they were um, specially built for the wartime and we could hear the you know the bombing we could hear the airplanes go by yeah it was it was war for real it wasn't just you heard it in the news that exactly <laughs> yeah. that is I can't even imagine how that would inform a child and the only reason I say that is, I mean, I just know what it's like, even my children in school mm -hmm. with so many guns exactly. available. And exactly. like my daughter today just said to me, my other daughter went on a train and she said, mom, do they check people for guns when they get on the train? Mm -hmm. And I said, no, I don't think so. You know, and I never had that thought when I was growing up. Right. Right. But it's weirdly almost like she's growing up a little, you yeah. know, I think it's part of your yeah thought process every day. Right. Yeah. 
Um, I can't imagine how that shaped you. That's really. Um, I mean, it's, it's interesting because I feel like I never think about it, but strangely enough, it always comes up. There is a lot of times that I'm explaining something or I'm thinking about why I'm doing something, right? especially because I'm a therapist too. I'm always trying to connect some dots together. I'm always thinking about that, um, that, oh, that's why, because I grew up in the war. That's why, <laughs> because I grew up in the war. It always comes up in the strange places, but yeah, it definitely uh, shaped me. I think in a, in a, lo a lot of positive ways, I think uh, too. Um, for me, I think it taught me so much patience and so much um, being grateful of being in the present. That's really important for me, for example, and appreciation of and moments that I have with people because when we were children, it was so close to us. You know, anytime that, and not in an anxious way, strangely, but we were so appreciative of what we had because you never knew if you're going to have it tomorrow or not because we yeah. did have neighbors like few blocks down that their houses got bombed, you know, and it wow. was totally gone. Like we had family members who lost people in the, in the bombing. So what you had, you became really appreciative of it. And I think that's what I held on to and uh, sort of living in a moment kind of a thing, in a very Buddhist way. <laughs> that's what I took out of it. Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah. So when you came to the U.S., you already, did you already speak English when you came at 16? um very little i mean the same way that maybe children here take french in school or something but okay they got it france, they're probably gonna have a little bit of an issue so um so yeah i we always took english and i knew like hello my name is leila <laughs> <laughs> but if you talk to me i would not i always remember in class because we came for example i don't know when but like on a monday and then on a wednesday we went to school like oh my gosh we we're all jet lag but still like we went to school and someone asked me how are you and i said i still remember it's so <laughs> funny i said i am fine and you and it was exactly <laughs> how they taught us <laughs> that's, that's how i spoke english when we came here but um we learned can you remember what it felt like did you feel excited and happy did you feel anxious and homesick was it a combination i think it was a combination um and for my sister she was a little young she's two years younger than me it was very difficult for her for me uh again i guess because i was a first child and i had a i'm i'm a little conflict avoidant and i'm very like okay whatever I make yes. lemonades. I make lemonades. Yes. <laughs> so no, I, I make right. Yes. <laughs> so I was like, okay, this is it. I, I have to make it work. But I came from a very small school um, when I was going to high school in Iran. It was a very small, sort of like a private art school because my all my mom's family were artists. So I went to this art school and there was um, only 18 of us in that class. And we were really, it was the same cohort that we were going through this program together. So they were all like my sisters, these 17 girls. Um, so I really, really miss them. And I'm still connected with all of them after 20 some years. So that it, that was the hardest part to not be connected to my friends. But yeah, yeah, that's really, that's amazing. <laughs> I don't know if you know how amazing it is. But it really is amazing. <laughs> yeah. I mean, if you contrast it with the fact that I'm living, you know, 10 minutes from where I grew up. Right, right. And, you know, speaking the same language I 
did in mm-hmm. my house growing up right. and all of that, right. you know, that's, that's just really incredible. Um, so back to your practice, what is it, do you think, do you feel like you have arrived? This is it. You, you love this, it. I think, yes. Yeah, this is it. <laughs> what do you love about it? What do I love about it? Um, I mean, everything, but I think to me, it is, it is such it is, I mean, maybe this sounds cheesy to you, I don't know, or your listeners, but to me, it is absolute honor, um, Amanda, to because in this room that I'm sitting in with my clients in front of me, not everyone, of course, but a lot of times, the person who's sitting in front of me and sharing some information for me, this is a very first time that they even said it out loud after 40, 50, 60, sometimes 70 years, I have older clients. Um, And to me is every time I am so thankful that, or amazed that how did I get to this position to be the first person who's hearing this? And I Mm. absolutely think it's, it's an honor, it's a privilege, it's just incredible. And yeah, for them to trust me and for me to be able to create this environment for someone to come and sit and tell me these things after all these years and trusting me, I think that, I mean, how, what else can, like, does that? Like, it, there is nothing yeah. more incredible than that, that to me, that's I've never thought of it like that. That's really mm-hmm. beautiful. And, you know, it, it makes me think about the fact that we um, are, I mean, we're, we've come a long way. I think mm-hmm. as a society, mm-hmm. as it relates to therapy and mental wellness, right. um, but I think we still have a long way to go because mm-hmm. for some reason, you know, there's so much shame attached to s- somehow not being um, perfectly happy all of the time or perfectly well-adjusted mm-hmm. or dealing with our feelings in a positive way manner at all times maybe um and you know what would you what do you think about that like what do you think about that fear that surrounds Mm -hmm. even the notion of their of therapy because I have to say even as I'm trying to um articulate this right I think I grew up in a culture and environment where Mm -hmm. you know you just didn't talk about it. You just tried to put on a happy face and exactly. move forward. Exactly. Um, I mean, what do I think about that? What do you mean? What do I think about that? Like, what do like, I think? I'm about thinking about people or? who are listening, thinking, you know, I would never go to, to a therapist or I would never, you know, like, what is the upside to doing that? You know, yeah, I think... Mm-hmm. I, okay, I know what you're saying. So I think it. I have two answers for that. First, I think it's um, it's our responsibilities. You know, our response, our therapists' responsibility to destigmatize that in a sense. Not about um, well. I mean, think about it. Um, therapy is a very new science in a lot of ways. It's a new practice, right? And okay. when you think about therapy probably a lot of people think about this like older wise I don't know this like theoretical like philosopher sitting there like 
not judging you necessarily, but like a know-it-all kind of a, a person telling you what to do with your life. And that that's really intimidating. And that actually is not what we do. So it's up to us therapists to, um, how do you say, debunk it, basically? Yeah. Right? right. That's not therapy. Like in our room, in my room, we joke, we laugh. I'm not a serious person. I'm, I don't think of myself as this intellectual, brilliant person sitting in front of you telling you what to do. And it, it is our responsibility to just um, present therapy in a way that is more approachable, that it is not terrifying that you're sitting in front. And no one wants to be judged. No one wants to be told what to do and how wrong they are or what's right or what's wrong. No, or what's, you know... And that's not therapy. So the, part of it is our job to make it more approachable and more fun and accessible and all that stuff. And the other you know, part, that, go ahead. No, what were you going to say? Uh, I don't know. I forgot. <laughs> I, remember. Well, I was just going to say that's well put. And I was also going to add that I think you might be, and I say this from a lack of knowledge, but I think you might be in one of the hardest um aspects of therapy because i think relationships oh, yes. two people mm -hmm. um it that seems to be such a tricky uh and dynamic right yes yes and it is yeah. true because a lot of therapists a lot of my colleagues a lot of couple uh, therapists that i know do not enjoy working with couples um because of that because you, a lot of times you have either two angry people or two heartbroken people and a lot, whatever is going on, there's double of that, right? So it's just a lot more yeah. to deal with. The chaos always double. If there's mental illness, there's double of it. If there's sadness, there's double. Um, so yeah, a lot of uh, therapists do not enjoy working with couple uh, couples and maybe for my because of my background for whatever reason it's it's a dynamic that I enjoy working with the most I love working with couples but yeah it is it's a lot of work but also uh, when there is healing when there is progress you also get double the joy you also get double the satisfaction you also get double the healing it's always um, so much more stronger in my well, I was thinking you grew up in a war zone, so maybe <laughs> right. you're so like, great. oh, this is nothing. This is nothing. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I feel I feel calm in chaos for sure. That's yeah, my yeah, that's so know. interesting. <laughs> and so, you are a mother, yes, and you're a wife, yes. So, how do you decompress? What is like? What is your idea of maybe a perfect day? Oh, a perfect day. Well, I have an incredible husband. I'm so lucky. He's, he's, it's, he's a wonderful man. So it's really easy to be um, his wife. Um, and I'm sure not that many people, unfortunately, can say that, but I, I can. So it's, he makes well, it. Nobody easy. else can say how great it is to be his wife, for sure. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's good. No, I know what you're saying. Hopefully we'll keep it that way. <laughs> but yeah, you know what I mean. So he, he makes do. it easy. So, and, and I love what I do, uh, Amanda. There are days that I have maybe um, eight to 10 clients and I come home. It's a long day. I am okay, tired, but I don't feel like I worked, right? So um, I'm kind of lucky in that way that I absolutely love what I do. And I have such a good clients, even the ones that are really difficult um, cases, but 
because I feel like because I enjoy it so much and it's something that it doesn't feel like work and I have to put so much effort into it and I'm miserable doing it. So that well, helps. By the time I'm home, home, yeah, I'm tired. I sit down, I talk to Paolo and that's it. And I start the day again tomorrow. So And your husband, Paolo, is is he from Italy or is he Italy by descent? Um, Did he like live in Italy? He lived in Italy, yes. But my my in-laws were born in Italy. So Paolo is a self Gen, uh, first generation then right yeah so he, he yes. was born here but his parents he was born here, here. Mm-hmm. and how did you can I ask how you met sure we met in school he's an acupuncturist and I'm you know it was in the period of time that I was thinking of going to medical school so he he was taking a chemistry class for his studies and I was thinking of going to medical school so I was taking chemistry classes and we met there (laughs) that's horrible not the meeting but the chemistry (laughs) I know exactly (laughs) um what do you think would be um one like if you had to say hey I have a piece of advice relationship advice Mm -hmm. doesn't it even have to be couples relationship it could be just relationships in general you know, because we have so many relationships in our mm-hmm. life. Mm-hmm. Um, if you had to just kind of like, what's one piece of advice that people could take and apply to relationships? Is that an unfair question? Yeah. Is there like no one? No, I, I, I think we can, you know, sum it up to one thing, maybe. I, I think it's listening. I think listening is the um, most important thing. And that's where I start with a lot of my couples when they come in. A lot of us don't, I would say 90% of us don't know how to listen effectively. You know, listening is so important. We do it professionally. A lot of us do it professionally. But when it comes to our intimate relationships, somehow we miss it. Um, and I talked about this with all of my couples and they all agree. Like I have CEOs, I have, well, I don't know, well, scientists, teachers, anything. They, they come in, I'm like, do, what do you do when you're at, at a meeting? You listen, right? But they can't do that with their wife or husband. So, like the first thing is listening, listening effectively. That's so interesting. Maybe because there's such vested interest, mm-hmm. you know, you, you know, and that that's so interesting. Because I always think um, when people differ, you know, whether it's politically or mm-hmm. or idealistically, I'm always like, well, what do you think? But then if it, if my husband says, you know, something, right. I go, what? <laughs> Exactly. <laughs> so I always start professional with them because exactly you do the same thing. You're, you're interviewing people. You're constantly listening. People will come into your office, but probably not with your husband. <laughs> not as much. Because <laughs> I'm like, can I just okay. tell you here, think this. I'll write it down for you. <laughs> um, so definitely listening, listening, but yeah, listening not just to stay quiet is listening effectively and you know with a with with the purpose of understanding and compassion you know just understanding the other person yeah yeah that's I think that that's probably really big I really mm-hmm. do because it listening can take a lot of other skills exactly. it can take it can require bravery it mm-hmm. can require you know go acceptance you know it can it can require a lot of other things Mm -hmm. I would think Mm -hmm. um so so other questions for you Leila Mm -hmm. um what about 
things that have impacted you through the years? Are, are there any books or movies or um, shows? What kind of has helped to shape your worldview? Or I hate to say favorite, but right, right. No, I know what you're saying. Um, so um, again, I, because I think I'm I'm a person who makes lemonades <laughs> lemons um i i feel like i anything can be inspiring right good or bad and um something that i'm not a religious person by any means at all but um i think uh, eastern philosophy maybe um, buddhism uh, when i was really lost in in my life I have a really good friend of my Arya uh, whose parents are devout um, Buddhist um, her dad has a uh, is a monk and has a followings in, in Rochester um, she introduced me to Buddhism and I'm not a practicing Buddhist but I think as a philosophy it helped me so much to ground me um, so so that definitely the the Buddhist philosophy as a philosophy and not as a religion because I'm not a religious scholar, but philosophically it has helped me a lot. And uh, and I think the other thing is beauty. I think beauty inspires me. Like um, again, my family are all artists. My mom family is all artists and really sort of perfectionist and quality was really important to them so quality and uh, beauty I think is something that I it really inspired and it could be anything I could see a really beautiful I don't know uh, dish towel and if it's really made well it's a beautiful cotton or it's really a good design if it's uh, good great quality it inspires me like I love beauty and quality yeah. so um that's something that I'm always uh, looking for. <laughs> That's interesting. I totally get that. I worked with somebody who used to, there was a poet and I don't want to say it could have been Yeats, but I don't remember, mm -hmm. but there was some poem that he, he loved this line about beauty. Mm -hmm. And I remember um, it really interested me how impactful that was for him. I mean, he even loved drinking wine out of a beautiful right you right, know glass right. and you know just um question for you what is the best piece of advice or at least a good piece of advice that you have received oh best oh my god that that's a hard one I don't know what you know one time this woman Jane Cates bumped into me in the grocery store and she told me always bring a cart <laughs> <laughs> with my hand loaded so whenever I'm, I'm asked that I go well I have lots of great advice and my dad has given me so many great pieces but when I have to when I'm on the spot I'm like always get a cart always get a cart you know I don't know what was it best I mean I guess I'll hmm I can't think of one right now but I, I think again yes I think I know it's and what that's what I live by um just being in the moment, I think that's really important, right? Oh, yeah. Yeah, being yeah. in the moment. Again, I mean, that part of it comes from that Buddhist um, philosophy and part of it is Palo, uh, always reminding me of that. And uh, I remind that to my clients, you know, just being in the moment is really helpful. Yeah, yeah. And what have you learned from bec becoming a mother? What has that kind of, how has that shaped you? And how has that, 
changed you or transformed you? <laughs> I think uh, I was always a very patient person, but I think patience is something that I'm definitely um, practicing every day with, with my son. Um, yes, I think patience. Um, I have to really, um, because I, I jump from one thing to another a lot of times and I need to just move so fast from one thing to another, but with him, I can, I have to just be present with him and be at his level a lot of times. So patience is one thing that um, really practicing. <laughs> yeah, I have to keep learning that. I, I don't have it, but I'm getting there. <laughs> I feel like you give me 10 more years and I'm gonna right, we'll get it done. We'll all get there. You know, it's funny about the lemons and the lemonade. I always am like that too. I really mm -hmm. am so much so that sometimes I have to actually inform myself if something's bad like I can actually take a really long time to recognize that something is not good right, right. I think I'm the um, same way yeah I you know my friend Natalie she she had me take this Enneagram test and mm -hmm. I'm a seven and okay. sevens are like that so I'm always like Layla you're probably a seven <laughs> <laughs> I do have some friends who get really upset with me but because I always see a good good part of it and they always get angry with me Layla no maybe not right maybe this person was really trying to say something but or I can never see it that way that's never a first thing that comes up for me always yeah. the good part first I don't know I mean it, it it's good and sometimes maybe bad I don't know yeah it's who you are but it's it's that's so interesting I totally I totally relate to that um so Layla, this is a really easy question, which means it's not. If you could change, like if you had a magic wand, somebody said, quick, here's a magic wand. You can change something about the world. Oh, okay. What do you think you would change? Um, I, I, kindness. I think we are sort of, Def, there is a deficit in kindness I would um, work on that <laughs> yeah. yeah yeah well good then I hope somebody kindness. does give you a magic wand I hope so yeah kindness and compassion um, that's missing a lot of times yeah yeah it is that's really I think a perfect ending point Okay. Um, thank you so much thank, thank you for you. coming on and for sharing and you know I I hope that um, I hope that people do listen to your advice about listening, like all of us, mm -hmm. not just the relationship with your, you know, partner, but maybe that listening advice can actually take hold and help us just as we deal mm -hmm. in the world. Right. I mean, you I know, know with couples, it definitely make a difference. So I hope your couples listen at least to one another. I, I <laughs> I do too. Thank you. Thank you so much. Thank you. Hey, thanks for listening. Giant thank you goes out to show advisor Roseanne Griffiths, the talented musician Bill Aronson, who wrote, produced, performed the Soulful Connections theme song. And a thank you goes out to Brad Sanders for creating the Soulful Connections logo. Love it. That's new this year. So much gratitude to these guys and to my friends and family who continue to listen and guide me 
And once again, to you for listening, I would love to hear from you. Please shoot me an email at soulfullife at gmail.com. That's S-O-L-F-U-L-L-I-F-E at gmail.com.